time changes. First point, time changes. Scripture does not. We can easily and readily see the relevance and instruction that Jude is giving to his readers are exactly the same spiritual, moral, ethical, and political conditions that we are living in and under today. But these evil people and their heresies will fail. Now this afternoon I read an article that the Southern Baptist Convention, which has been the foundational rock for Christianity in the South for a long time, has split with their largest congregation. The Southern Baptist Convention held, according to their book of standards or whatever name it's called by, they said that they believe that God's words specifically states that only men are allowed to fill the pulpit. Because of that, a very well-known and well-published Christian pastor has opposed that interpretation and taken that congregation out of the Southern Baptist Church. Subversion. I can only pray and hope that these people who have followed this man will see that Time changes, cultures change, but scripture doesn't. And that's because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 remains eternally alive in its teaching. For it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And right alongside that, let's remember Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The anti-God, anti-Christ hatred and subversion that is alive and prospering in the world today, God knows these men and women and will judge their attitudes of their heart. God is in control and he knows the heart of these people and he will finally, eventually, destroy them, and we will see that in just a minute. Scripture is eternal, but culture changes. If you ever watch one of these historical photos things on YouTube, they show you 20 or 30 photos of what life was like in the 1930s. What life was like in the 1950s. Yeah, I can remember that. I can remember the, the, what the uh, 57 Chevy looked like, and I remember that uh, the rage for men's suit was, was charcoal gray with a pink shirt and a red tie, and 
uh, the bouffant hairdos and all all that stuff that the women did with their hair. I, I, I can remember that. I can look back. But the culture has changed now. It's different today. Uh, and I think we're all old enough to see how the culture has changed. But Christ said, remember, God incarnate in the form of Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. Scripture is eternal. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. Jude calls the people he is writing to to remember their heritage of deliverance. And he emphasizes the destruction of those who rebelled and did not believe. In verse 5, he said that the Lord saved the people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroying those who did not believe. Who was destroyed when the Lord delivered the nation of Israel? Well, obviously, the Egyptian army was one. Who else was destroyed? The nation of Israel who wandered in the desert for 40 years because they did not believe God's promises. And they, he said, you won't see the promised land. But remember that we as Christians have been delivered from the bondage of sin. We struggle with it. We fight with it. God has given the weapons, us the weapons to combat it but we won't be destroyed. In verse 6, we're delivered from rebellious angels and angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. These were angels living in heaven. They were perfect created beings, and they abandoned it. They chose willfully not to obey Christ, not to obey God. And they were delivered, and they are being kept in darkness. Now, what is darkness? Well, you're on your way home some night in January, and the power has been knocked out, and you get to your home, and there's no power in the neighborhood, and you get out of your car, and you get to the front door, and you, if you have a light, you put the light on the key, see where you can get in to the house, and then you grope along the wall for a light switch, and then uh, the lights don't work. It's out in the neighborhood, and you're in darkness, and your hope is that you can be familiar enough with your own home that you won't trip over something uh, before the power comes back on. But have you ever felt darkness you could literally feel? I had to go down 1,850 feet straight down into a mine the company I was working for. We went out on a tunnel, a shaft that was drilled off the main hole. And then once we got to the end of that, 
we took a ladder down 20, 30 feet, whatever, to another tunnel that was being dug in another direction. And the man I was with said, I'm going to turn off my light. We had helmet lights. And he said, it's going to get dark. But he said, there's no jokes here. I'm not playing. I'm going to stay right here, and I'm going to have you shut your light off. And what I want you to do is I want you to take your hand and move it right across the front of your face like that. And he said, I will continue talking so you won't panic. He said, shut your light off. And I did. And I did exactly what he said, and I could not see my hand. And you could, I, as best I could describe it, you could literally feel the darkness. You could feel the terror and the panic rising. And he said, when you feel you're at your limit, say so, and we'll turn our lights on. And I did, and it wasn't long after that. But remember, as Christians... Darkness is not in our eternal future. Love and light is in our future. The light of Christ. <laughs> Jude also said you were delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah and its environment. In verse 7, just in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way indulged in gross immorality, as is going on today, as went on in the church of Corinth, they went after strange flesh. They are exhibited as an example and undergoing the punishment of eternal life. You want to know what eternal life as an unbeliever looks like? Look no further than Sodom and Gomorrah. People will say, oh, was that lightning that came down from heaven? Or was that... Uh, Something like a lava blowing out of a volcano? No, it was fire. It was literal fire, like a flamethrower that destroyed not only Sodom, but it destroyed Gomorrah and all the cities in that environment because of their sin and their unbelief. Only Lot, his wife, and two daughters were rescued from that. But Christians remember. I thought of... uh, Bob and Janice, as I was putting this down. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. We will go through some very, very difficult times on our pilgrimage life. But as intense as the fire gets, we won't be burned. The waters of grief or problems will not overflow us. God will keep us safe. And finally, these are all examples of the eternal destruction of evil. But remember, God's people are saved. Now I want to read a brief description of what eternal destruction is from Revelations 20, starting at verse 7. When a thousand years are over, 
Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, I guess all of us in here can say at one point in our life we had a strep throat. Okay? And it was sore here to the touch. And it was hard to swallow. And when you did swallow, you get that sticky knife feeling in your throat. And you went to the doctor and you were practically eating nothing because it hurt so much. And he prescribed amoxicillin or levothyroxine. And a couple of days later, you were all better. Your pain went away. That is not forever and ever. As humans, even as Christians, we cannot comprehend eternal life. Let's see, John Newton, when we've been there 10,000 years, oh, when we've been there 10 million years, no, when we've been there 10 billion, 10 trillion, 10 quintillion, you know, I don't care how many zeros you want to put after that. We will still be alive and rejoicing in heaven. At the same time, unbelievers, God-haters, Christ-mockers and deniers perish in hell. In continuing in Revelations 20, <clears throat> at the great throne judgment, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Books, plural, meaning more than one book. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. One book. Christians are in that book. If you believe that Jesus Christ came as God incarnate, that he suffered on the cross in your place, He bore your sin to the death. He was buried, rose again, and is now in heaven ruling and reigning, and you are a Christian. If you have turned and are actively pursuing sanctification, which means that you are fighting evil, then you are a Christian, and your name will be in this book. It won't be in the other books which consign you to the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found in them was written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire with the devil, the beast, and the false prophet. So when we see all these ungodly, anti-Christian movements going on today, we can approach them by saying, I know 
where I am going to spend eternity. And if you don't acknowledge Christ as God and Savior and turn from the wickedness and sin that you were involved in, I know, based on what Scripture says, where you will be spending eternity. Verses 8 and 9 of Jude say, Yet in the same manner these men, also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed the devil and argued over the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. What are the unbelievers' rejections here? Rejections through uh, pollution or corruption, I think NIV says. What is pollution? The presence in or introduction of something that has harmful or poisonous effects. I saw uh, a blip of a comedy show this week. I had to laugh because one of the characters came in holding his stomach and one of the other characters said, Oh, is your stomach feeling better now? And the other guy said, Yeah, that's the last time I store the brake fluid next to the Dr. Pepper. <laughs> so you drink brake fluid, it'll kill you. If you drink Drano, it will painfully kill you. You can pollute the body with food, alcohol, drugs, tobacco, and vaping. And there are a lot of illustrations I can use, but you can understand what I mean. Unbelievers rejected authority. Judges 21.5. What's the last verse in the book of Judges? Everyone did Rot is right in their own eyes. I don't think I have to stop at that red light stop sign. I'm good. Right. Uh, uh, I don't think I should limit myself to uh, one drink. I can have six or eight. I've got rights. I don't need a license to drive. The state can't tell me what to do or insure my car. Uh Romans 13 says the state has the authority to issue rules and regulations. Well, I have rights. I have right to terminate my pregnancy. That's a politically correct term for saying kill my baby. I have a right. You have a right to have all the intimacies in the world you can with your husband after you're married. There's no restriction. However, with rights come responsibilities, and once you learn that you are pregnant, that through the miracle of conception God has created a life in your womb, then you have the responsibility to see that full term and these signs that say, keep abortion legal, they should say, keep uh, infanticide legal. I have a right to steal. I can knock out this plate glass window and go into this guy's store and take what he's got. 
because he's got it and I don't. Why should he have all that stuff and I have nothing? So I have a right to steal it. No, you don't. And the latest insanity that came out this past week, I'm guessing it was California. If it wasn't California, then it had to be Oregon, Washington, or Minnesota. (laughs) Where people say, parents say, I have the right under the law to alter my child's birth certificate. Oh, congratulations, Mrs. Jones. You have a beautiful, healthy baby boy here. Everything looks great. What name do you want to put on his birth certificate? Christine. No, ma'am. It's a boy. You mean Christopher. No. Who knows? It might be a girl. He might want to be a girl. I mean, they're all so far off the deep end, it's not funny. So unbelievers have rejected authority, but they have embraced slander. The act of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things, we have to be very, very careful. We don't blaspheme any of God's creative work or God himself. The word slander here comes from the Greek word in the New Testament, blasphemeo, and I don't think I need to elaborate on that. It's blasphemy when you talk down to somebody. The act of speaking sacrilegiously about God, how dare you do that? In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, Peter reemphasizes this by saying this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. What did Michael say? Hey, Satan... Take a hike. Get lost, you scumbag. I'm going to take... No. Michael said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. When we are confronted by people who spit in on the Bible, who tear it up and uh, throw it on the ground and stomp on it and assault us, well, we are bringing the good news to them. Okay. God will take care of you. God will rebuke you. I am not going to attack you, even if you are a pervert, a homosexual, a lesbian, a transgender, a sister of the temporal indulgence or whatever that is. You know, the people, the guys that dress up like nuns. You say... God will take care of you unless you take care of this with him before you die. In verse 10, we see how unbelievers speak. These men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct 
like unreasonable animals, by these things they are destroyed. They revile things they don't understand. That means they criticize in in an abusive manner or with angry insulting. You nincompoop, you stupid idiot, you still believe those fairy tales in the Bible about water to wine, about someone taking up in a fiery chariot, about Peter walking on the water to Christ who was walking, coming, coming from the Peter getting out of jail. He's handcuffed to two Roman soldiers and the handcuffs fall off and he walks out and the two guards at the door don't see him and he walks out and he goes to the front gate and they gate give me a break. People reject and speak abusively. But what did Christ say in John seventeen seventeen? Thy word is truth. The word of God is absolute truth. From Genesis to Revelation, and it's the only hope unbelievers have. Unbelievers also speak ignorantly. A friend of mine was an astronomer. He is with the Lord now. He's looking at the stars from the other side. And we would talk frequently about the the universe. And we talked about a scientific study that was done that said the furthest star away from us is 400 billion trillion light years. Well, if light travels 186,000 miles a second, boy, that's a long way. How they can compute that, I don't know. There is no God. That, that's a result of the Big Bang. Oh, what exploded? I don't know, but there was a big bang. Something must have exploded. There is no God. But God says to them, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. And God knows. He calls the star forth by name. There are more stars in the heaven than we can number, and God put every single one of them there. And then unbelievers speak not only in ignorance, but instinctively like unreasonable, unreasoning animals. We read in the last couple of weeks about this explorer submersible that exploded. Ask somebody, yeah, uh, what was the atmospheric pressure down there? Well, the atmospheric pressure was it 14 or 16 atmospheres. Well, I mean, there's one atmosphere. This, this up here, where we no every 
30 feet, I think, is one atmosphere. That's the pressure that we feel today. You go down 30 more feet, it gets a little heavier. You go down 30 more feet, it gets a little heavier. I don't know what you're talking about. They are ignorant. Yet, if they jumped in the water with a scuba tank and went down 1,600 feet, they would find out what 14 atmospheres was like probably before they got there. So they speak ignorantly, but instinctively, like unreasoning animals. Instinct is the ability of an animal to perform a particular behavior in response to a given stimulus. Pavlov's dogs. Ring the bell and they salivate. Why? Because every time you ring the bell, you give them something to eat. So they hear the bell ring. Ding! It's dinner time. Animals are not self-determining. Their actions are predetermined by God-created instinct. Thus, their wills are limited by what God has imposed on them. Do you know that a dog does not know that he can't think? Yeah, Roll that around while you're trying to go to sleep tonight, okay? An alligator just swimming up the stream, and all of a sudden the water, he can feel the vibrations and the turbulence, and he can feel hundreds, if not thousands of feet hitting the ground upriver. What's that mean? Dinner time. The wildebeest, the zebras, someone, some animal is crossing, and instinctively the alligators know that. The unbelievers do what they do instinctively. And it is destroying them. Romans 1, a very familiar passage, 20 and 21. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities and his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You come to my house, you go to your house, you go to your neighbor's house, you go to go in the front door, you see trees, you see bushes, you see plants and flowers. What kind of flowers? Well, there's, I've got azaleas and lilies, water lilies, I've got uh, coleus and uh, snapdragons and daffodils and uh, daisies and roses and carnations. God is saying all you have to do is look at that, and that is enough to prove that there is a God who rules, reigns, and has created all of them. All of them are shaped differently. All of them have different colors, several colors, some of them. All of them uh, smell nice. And Paul goes on to say, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Men think that they are doing the right thing, but they're not. Continuing in Romans, Paul said, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through or because of the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Isn't that what we have today? Homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, all this foolishness that's going on in this realm. They've turned the truth of God into a lie. And God cannot lie. It is not possible for God to lie because of his, his nature. These men and women are to be pitied most of all as they are being destroyed by the very thing they don't understand. A veil has been pulled over their eyes. They are darkened. They refuse to acknowledge God as God in any of his creative activities or ministries. Okay? That's what you want. That's what you got. You can have it your way until you die. And then eventually there will be the great white throne judgment and you will be called to account for everything that you did. Next Sunday we will see how Jude continues his admonitions to his children by further describing using events familiar to them that are pointing to their destruction if they do not turn and repent. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for these words. We're thankful, Lord, that we can look back on uh, not only biblical history, but our own history and see where we were going astray with a nation of Israel. Your children, your people went astray, and they were destroyed. We can see through the book of Judges that they were up and down and up and down about repenting of sin and going back to idol worship. We see that in... uh, our society, and our culture today. We have no fear because we belong to you, and we know, Lord, that you could change this. You could change this overnight because you are all-powerful. You are all-merciful, and all men and women who are unbelievers and who are living in this denigrated, uh, despicable, abominable uh, choices they have made, We know that you can deliver them, and we pray that you would do that since we know of what their eternal end will be. We ask that we would live by these words and that we would continue to use our sword and shield to resist the devil and draw near to you with the promise that the devil will flee and you will draw near to us. We ask this.